Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Beard Ladies podcast. I am Lisa and I'm your host this week. And I am joined today by Tandy. Hello, Tandy. Hello. And Katie. Hello, Katie. Hello. So before we dive into today's, we, we think, fun topic, and it's going to be a slightly technical one, so a bit of a bit of a hint there. Do you want to give you the heads up, the usual like, subscribe, share? First of all, thank you for following us on all of the different socials. We are on Twitter still for now. We'll see. We are on Mastodon. We are on YouTube. We are on Facebook. We are on TikTok. We are everywhere. We are at Beer Ladies Pod in most of the places, except Facebook. Then you can just, you can just search. Just search. There's a box. Just search. So, we are findable, but first of all, thank you for that. Uh, but then, excited about today because we have one that that feels both very objective and very subjective. Because today we want to talk about off flavors in beer. Ooh. So we definitely want to make sure that we're covering this from both kind of the nerdy home brewing angle, but also just looking at it from a kind of you know, how do you identify these things when you're out and about? Hopefully you're not finding them when you're out about and about uh, out and about in a bar, but you know, sometimes things happen. Uh, so with that said, we'll, we'll go to, around and do a what you, what you drinking. And I will say not all of these have off flavors. Most of these do not have off flavors, but we will, we do have a secret one with an off flavor. So first Katie, over to you. What have you got tonight? Well, the beer I decided to drink, Lisa, is uh, Outer Place Brewing Say a Little Prayer. Oh, very nice. What style is that, Katie? This is, uh, so I'll read the blurb. Say a Little Prayer is a special white double IPA brewed with orange peel, coriander seed and two yeasts, hopped with Amarillo, Cryo and Eldorado. Brewed in Camden, Dublin. Very nice. Very and nice. it tastes, it's, it's a stranger flavor. It's nice. It's a, it's a pleasant flavor, not an off flavor in any way, shape <laughs> or form. Um, and I've seen, seen outer place brewing beers around the place. And um, I managed to pick up a few over Christmas and yeah, it's quite pleasant. And I will say I was going to drink another beer, but there was a line in its description of the beer. <laughs> I'm going to read it to you and you can this tell me amazing. what you 
I'm not going to say what the beer is, but at the end of it, it just goes, a unisex result for even the ones who are not really into beers. And I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, and like in the context, they're clearly trying to say that this beer will please even non-beer drinkers. But why did they have to put unisex in there? It's so strange. If you're not a beer drinker, it doesn't matter whether you're male, female, or anything, you know, any other identifier. If you're just not a beer drinker, so what? I I find that very strange. I also find it extremely strange. But anyway, I said I'd go with this one. Uh, It it does exactly what it says on the tin. It's not a unisex beer. It's a beer for all. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And and I'm I'm holding off on getting to Tandy's because I know she's got something special for us. But I have, again, a very normal beer. I have a Galway Bay uh, Bay Ale, which is their red ale. Uh, The only reason I did pick a red ale for the evening is um, sometimes you can get a metallic off flavor, but it can also be a perfectly acceptable flavor in a red ale, depending on kind of how hardcore it is. So I think that is one of the things we want to talk a little bit about is when is an off flavor not an off flavor? When is an off flavor actually a good thing? And does it depend on the style? You know, again, how do you know it? Is it art or pornography? Do you know it when you see it or taste it or smell it? So there's that to get in in there. And we we will certainly get into some of that. But Tandy, you, you Mm. you have something special for us tonight. Right. I have got two beers tonight. You know, on the on the side that I'm hoping has no off flavors and the one that I'm really planning to enjoy, and I'm sure I will, <laughs> is this one. It's uh, from Level Beer out in Oregon. Oh. And it's a fresh hopped lager. So it's uh, it's fresh hopped. And I mean, we, we spoke about this in our previous lingo series number one, I think. So, you know, when you when you're adding the hops that have just come kind of come off the vine um, into a beer that's called fresh hopped or wet hopped, depending on. Um, who you talk to. And I find it interesting because normally you find fresh hopped um, IPAs, pale ales, or just hop forward beers. But this is a lager. And in fact, it's a Czech style Pilsner. Oh, fresh hopped. So oh. I'm interested. I'm, I'm interested. I'll have a taste. I'll have a taste anyway. Excellent. Oh, it is. Even though I've actually had it for a couple of months and I probably should have drank it fresh. It does taste very fresh. It's lovely. Excellent. Good job, level beer. Nice. But <laughs> since we are now talking talking off flavors, and you know, off flavors don't affect uh, big breweries alone. They affect home brewers, and home brewers are the ones that really benefit from this kind of education and knowledge. I thought I'd put all the cards out there and show you that um, I've been brewing on and off for ten years, and I have a beer that I know for a fact has got some more flavors because <laughs> I have opened two of the bottles and have not been able to take more than half a sip. <laughs> and, just, and you know what? That's Sometimes it's a bit of a risk when brewing. Um, you know, not every beer is going to be maybe to your tastes or delicious or how you planned it, but you also can have these things that go wrong in the brew day. And I'll tell you what went wrong in this brew day besides probably everything, but I had to change the recipe halfway through, not the brew, but halfway through my my day because I got sent the wrong yeast for the style that I was going to brew. So I kind of made this one up on the fly with ingredients that I had and yeast that I had, but we're going to open this one, right? And I'm going to describe it. And I think that if we can get to a diagnosis by the end of the episode, that'd be really helpful (laughs) because (laughs) 
I have not been brave enough to actually sit down and do a full, you know, BJCP kind of run through of it so that I can diagnose my own beer. So I needed some moral support for this one. Definitely. There we are. And, you know, even bad beers, you can learn something from it and they're possibly Hmm. salvageable in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, I, I think we'll also do a sort of compare contrast because I have here the, the Brewer's Companion. And for those who are not watching those, just listening at home, this is the edition from, I think, 1994. Um and some of the things in this, in, in when it comes to off flavors and, and how to fix them, are either off flavors we don't talk about anymore, or are off flavors that are now good because that's changed, or the how we might fix them. They're just weird in a fun way, but we'll 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 get into that. But I, I think you know time has time has moved on, and some of these things have changed very quickly, and others have been with us for a very 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 long time but i don't know before we get into that teddy do you want to open it now and yeah tell us what it should. looks like and okay let's see what happens so, i'll tell you what it was meant to be <laughs> even though it wasn't meant to be a red ale by the time i'd rejigged my recipe based on the yeast that i had and the ingredients and hops that i had it turned out like it might be a red ale right so i'm going okay. to pour it okay. now um and i'm going to show i'm going to show those who are listening or watching on youtube i pour quite a lot now it looks really dark on camera. Mm-hmm. If I put it up to the light, actually, it has got some red in it. Oh, shite. It's okay. Okay, so you oh, see. There's a bit of red. There's a bit of red. Yeah. Quite a ruby to it. It's got like a ruby sort of um, color in it. So it is quite red, even though it looks very dark. First problem, first problem, which is not necessarily an off flavor, but there's the head is mint to none. There's very little of it. It didn't, you know, when I poured and I did try and pour quite vigorously, it didn't give me a a decent head and then settle. It just didn't really form it. So Mm. that's already one thing to diagnose. Um, It might mean that I undercarbed or, you know, didn't put enough sugar in when I was bottle conditioning it. That's okay. It could also come down to ingredients, but let's give it a smell and a taste because that's really where the off flavors are going to come in. Jesus. (laughs) a great beginning Ooh, okay it smells like antiseptic oh it's okay medicinal antiseptic it's it's mouthwashy yes less less like minty than mouthwashy but it's like a chloroseptic so now i'm glad that i got that straight away now because medicinal is a very uh, unfortunate <laughs> off flavor in beer. And it's often got to do with either using water that's got chlorine that you didn't remove or you didn't treat the water. Um, or it's often got to do with uh, cleansers and sanitizers that haven't been rinsed properly. Now that is probably exactly what happened, but it can also be, by the way, just for anybody listening, it can also be um, if you're using a lot of darker grains um, the husks of those darker grains can cause um, this kind of flavor sometimes. Um, it, it's like an astringency or a dryness that comes from the mm. husk of certain malts. Um, and then the other very obvious one is an infection of some or other variety. Now, the infection can come uh, during the brew day or it can come during bottling or kegging, as you were. Um, and so I would have to now go and look at 
where in my process did I potentially have an infection? Jesus, mm. it's grim. <laughs> but I am going to taste it, you know, for science. For yep. science. And this is why this is why you take notes. This is why you record what you're doing. Yes. So you can go back and see, okay, we did this, we did this. What's the verdict? It's not a happy face, folks. It's it's not a it's not a happy face, but it is funny because the the real pungency of the off flavor is more on the nose. I can okay. taste the red ale underneath it, like I really can. Um, but it's it's got a strange. Um, it's not a puckering and it's not a sourness, but there is a strange, and I think it is that sort of chlorophenolic or um, medicinal character to it that you get, and then you can taste the malts, the caramels in it too. So it's. It's just an unfortunate one, really. This one. Oh, that that I'm is bummed. a shame. I'm bummed. But, but but like you say, there are a couple of key things you know it could be. Mm. So that at least gives you a little bit. And now I I'm curious though too because I, and I think we want to get into this a little bit because you know my my sort of um, nemesis off flavor is that sort of phenolic band aid. Like I get the rubber the band aid. Like to me, it's very 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 strong. If, even if it's just there a tiny mm. tiny bit, so I can have a beer. That most people think tastes absolutely fine and I will pick it up and just zero in on it and I've had it recently I'm not going to say who from um not even going to say what country I was in but from beers I normally like or styles I normally like and I do sometimes notice it with you know a combination with certain hops and just certain you know mm. so sometimes it's not even necessarily that it's wrong but something is bringing out that flavor for me but that said like you know, if we sort of back up and talk about what what brings it out, because like you're saying, it can be you know the kind of um, the kind of sterilizer you're using, or maybe things aren't things aren't rinsed enough. But I, I know you can also get just like sometimes the yeast doesn't do everything you wanted it to do, and you you knew already knew you had this kind of yeast mismatch. I wonder mm -hmm. if maybe that's where you would start to think, oh, was it maybe the wrong kind of yeast for not like you said just what you wanted to do, but maybe wrong temperature, wrong you know, just didn't want to be there. I wonder if that's one yeah. place to start. And can I ask Tandy, was mm. it that you opened the yeast the morning and you'd already started your brewing and you realized then, or did you no. realize a few days in advance and, and try and rejig something? No. So, so what happened is that I was going to brew, I think I was going to brew a pale ale or an IPA, you know, one of these ones, I hadn't brewed a lot of hoppy beers because because I'm bottle conditioning at the moment I don't have a keg system because I don't really have the space for it right now but um and when you bottle condition hoppy beers sometimes that hop character fades a lot quicker than it what, what it does when you keg conditioning and force carbonating so I've deliberately stayed away from hoppy beers because of that anyway I was going to do a somewhat hoppier beer just a parallel probably but can't remember but what I realized is that I'd already mashed in so all of my ingredients were in okay and then I realized I had the wrong kind of yeast so instead of having a sort of clean um a clean yeast that would show off effectively the malts and the hop flavors I had an English yeast which adds its own esters and its own flavors mm. so I looked at my grain bowl knowing that I hadn't added any hops yet because I'd mashed in but I wasn't at the point of boiling and adding hops Right. I looked at that and I thought, okay, if I take away the hops and take away the yeast, what could I reimagine this as? Yeah. <laughs> and the closest thing I got to was a red ale. Um, and so I was like, well, you know what? It is going to be what it is. But now here's where it gets also a little interesting, right? And this is how, you know, the process can really affect um, all flavors. But I tasted the beer when it went into the fermenter. 
I tasted the beer before bottling and it tasted fine. So I don't think that the infection happened during fermentation. So mm. I also don't necessarily think it was a yeast stress, which can cause a lot of different flavors. I don't think it was that in this case. I think in this case, I did a double batch of bottling in one day. By the way, terrible idea. Bottling <laughs> sucks. But also to do two batches of beer in one day is an enormous task because you've got to clean, uh, rinse, sanitize, you know, all these things. I think that I got a little bit too um, into going fast instead of going, you know, doing things properly. And I think when I was cleaning, I didn't rinse properly. It could be. And again, I feel when you're when you're on the other side, when you're judging at those competitions, you know, nine times out of 10, you can figure out immediately what went wrong. And it's either, you know, check your temperature, check your sanitation. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those two almost yeah. all the yeah. time, at least, you know, in for, for I would say most of your regular styles. Again, things get weird on your sort of edge cases. But but it's mm -hmm. interesting, you know, you say you were sort of the you know, the, you had this sort of English yeast because that's a, a nice segue to diacetyl diacetyl whichever way we want to pronounce mm. it how do we feel about that and you know because it can be acceptable which i'm air quoting or it can be very bad depending on right. what style you're drinking like it can be totally fine but it can also just be a butter bomb and actually yeah. katie i'm going to start with you because I, I see mm. you nodding and i'm curious what our experiences have been with oh. that kind of popcorn flavor well, that buttery you know popcorn. I I would probably drink with a good few like craft beer drinkers and people go, oh, you can taste the diacetyl in this. And I'm like, the what? Sorry, hang on. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I like to, to have a translation. Yeah. Well, I Like you pick it up, you pick it up. But sometimes I think that it could be intimidating if people were people Absolutely. use these, these technically correct words, but but maybe in language that isn't very accessible to Joe or Jane soap, one hundred percent soap on the street, you know. So diacetyl is butter, right? Mm. Buttery. Yep. Would you agree? Yeah. That's yeah. What butter, said. butterscotch, or buttered popcorn, and um, and you'll you'll find it in a lot of different beers, but it it can really be quite prominent in things that are slightly lighter, so without many darker malts. So lagers, if you get lager. A, a lager with diacetyl, it's almost the exact opposite of the flavor that you're going for. Right. You know, lagers <laughs> are meant to be crisp and almost dry. And diacetyl adds this kind of slickness and this butteriness. Um, whereas if you're drinking something like an English bitter, it's not really an off flavor. It shouldn't be over pronounced, but it's allowed to be there in small quantities. So it very much does depend on the style. Yeah, and I think that's one of those flavors too that some people are really, really sensitive to. Some people barely notice it. Some people really, really mm. pick it up immediately. And and I think that's why, I, you know, I there, I have met a sort of certain subgroup of of beer nerds who who will not drink just like like bitters and and sometimes English pale ales because to them, it, it mm. they just taste like butter. And there are some I will say that do have that tendency, but I I feel like it's we've moved away from that in a lot of ways, but some of those, and I don't want to tar them all with one brush, but like there are certainly some of those kind of older traditional, which again, I'm air quoting, um, uh, sort of family brewers did go into that, but I feel like a lot of them have moved away from those recipes too. I think because of that, it's kind of fallen out of, fallen out of favor and, and maybe because it is such a pronounced flavor, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and I, I think like, back in the yeah. 90s, a lot of these off flavors yeah showed up a, a lot more I think people have yeah. gotten brewers have gotten um a lot better 
at, at, at trying to eliminate off flavors and to, mm. to mitigate against them. And uh, and like you were saying, Tandy, a lager, you've got nowhere to hide in a lager. Yeah. If there's an off yeah. flavor. It's going to be there. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not going to hide behind the hops or, or or in a like in a stout or something where you can hide behind the the, the roastiness, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's maybe where we can give people some some helpful, you know, buying guides when you're out there. You know, if, if you're looking at bottled loggers that have been sitting and they kind of look a little dusty on the shelf, maybe you want to give those a pass because you can get that, you know, first of all, they can be skunked. They can, you know, get that that light struck, really skunky flavor, or they can get that card, wet, wet cardboard flavor, which, you know, even if you get a gorgeous like Dortmund or Export. And I know we were talking about this after our live recording. So thank you everyone who came out for that. But gorgeous, gorgeous beer when it starts out. But if it's been sitting on a shelf with no cold chain, light coming in and just getting kind of old, you may open what was a great beer eight months ago. And now it just tastes like wet cardboard and no one wants this. But then if that's your only experience of that beer, you think, oh no, I don't like that. It's mm. It tastes like wet cardboard. So I think, you know, people need a little bit of education, but um Equally, if it hasn't been well kept, if you're just picking it up at, you know, your 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 local, I wouldn't even say your off license, but like your local, you know, sort of convenience store, it may not be in the best shape. Now, some do a great job, but you just may yeah. want to be a little, you know, caveat emptor there. Okay, well, let, let me take us back a sec, because now you've mentioned two. One is light struck or skunky. Um, and I want to just maybe say, okay, this this is what happens when beer is exposed to light. Yeah. Um, so hence the name light struck. But the description for this has always confused me a little bit because for a person that didn't grow up with skunks, I don't think <laughs> I know what a skunk smells like. That's and a great point. Same, no, no skunks in Ireland. No idea. But the other description is catty. So mm. on the one hand, I've, I think I've had light struck beers that remind me a little bit of um, almost old cat litter or, or um, ammonia kind of cat yeah. urine. So I think it's that, but I could be wrong. So I wanted clarification because I've probably drunk a million light struck beers in my life and never known it. No, no, you are on the right track. It's it's absolutely in that kind of ammonia odor uh, family of yeah bad smells. Um, I, I'm lucky enough to have never been sprayed by a skunk, but I, I feel like growing up, if you grow up in North America, everyone's got a dog or a cat or some pet that was sprayed by a skunk. And then you have to wash them with tomato juice. And I don't even know if that's real, but that's what I've been told you do. Um, either that you have to go and buy a special scrub because it's awful. It, you can't get rid of it. And you do definitely notice if there's been a skunk or if a skunk's been like hit by a car or something, it is very strong. Um, and I don't even think, like, I, I do think that caddy is probably a better descriptor for that particular off flavor because it's never as overpowering as it is from an actual mm-hmm. skunk. But you may kind of sometimes walk past, say that the room where your litter box is a few meters away and think that could be better that could be Mm. better but so I think that's maybe a more apt and universal description so see we're improving Mm. the language there (laughs) we go it's not skunky it's catty there but but what is interesting is that you know that was the whole reason that people started recommending brown bottles like the Mm, one I've got in the video here as opposed to green or white because the brown keeps out the sort of uv rays that can light uh, light strike your beer is that really a verb why not Um, yeah um whereas you know a lot of commercial breweries don't really use brown bottles they'll use green and but there are 
sometimes reason. So Heineken has kept their green bottles because they've altered. They've got, I think it's like an enzyme or they've done something mm. to their um, to their uh, yeast or malt or something that prevents this light struck off flavor. So they've got their light beers in a green bottle that are not supposed to easily get light struck where ordinarily the advice would be stay away from green and clear bottles. And I think that Corona might have the same thing, but I'm not entirely sure. It could be, you know, knowledge that's handed out within, <laughs> you know, these large yeah. brewing corporations. I'm not sure. But as a home brewer, to avoid that one, just avoid green and clear bottles and don't leave your beers out like in the sun, not even just the lids or anything. Just keep your beers in darkness where possible because that's the best way to prevent it. It's not a difficult one. Yeah, absolutely. And especially like, I feel like these tend to be different, but you know, sort of different root causes, I feel like, but also if you're keeping them dark, they're, they're probably not going to explode, hopefully, unless you've done other bad things with, you know, you too much yeast, too much sugar, whatever you've yeah. done there. Unless, that's, uh, unless, unless you keep them in the dark in the hot press. That then <laughs> might be problematic. Yeah, absolutely. Although for those if I, who are not familiar, hot yeah. press is, is hot cupboard or the cupboard where the boiler is. Hot press is a very Irish way of saying. Oh, this is stuff. it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, press. I know press. Yeah, press is a word that doesn't yeah. doesn't one else. Yeah, didn't <laughs> travel around the world, um, like other worlds. So yeah, you go with like <laughs> it's in the press, and people are like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah. Took me a while. <laughs> yeah, or even to know that like like hot press magazine, the music magazine, that it means something. It's not just like mm. you know it, it's 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 cool in a different way so but <laughs> yes. i didn't i never even considered that i just thought it was like hot off the press see that's what i had assumed for years but i think because there's such a specifically irish music magazine you know yeah possibly yes yeah. yeah maybe the acoustics are better in the hot press <laughs> yeah, that's and now I'm, I'm looking back at my my brewer's companion again and, I, and i've noticed again just going back to the the phenolic one for a bit you know he he does say you know he has a corrective action for a lot of these and and i think we'll, we'll mention some of these others in, in a little bit but you know for for that one you know for some of them it's either like no you know, can't fix it or some of them it's like wait so for example some of the the diacetyl or diastyl depending on how you like to say it sometimes it may be absorbed depending but when he goes to the phenolic he says you know corrective action none possible problem will get worse bottle may burst run so <laughs> you've all been warned. Um, although it, it's interesting though, too, especially for uh, for the loggers. And I, I'm really, I would be curious to see if this actually worked or not, if this is just sort of, you know, perception, because talking about the the butteriness, if, if it's gone wrong in your lager, he does say, allow loggers to warm up for a few days, then cool back down. But mm. it feels like like folk wisdom to me i wonder if it mm -hmm. if it's real so does it actually yeah, work it does we, really we spoke about this in mm -hmm. our lager episode and oh, you're I, right. yeah because i was trying to figure out did something happen someone was supposed to keep them cold and ended up gallivanting somewhere right. got, got distracted <gasps> they warmed up cooled them down and then they were tasted great or something you know and hey so what actually happens is that diacetyl is a, is a naturally produced compound from fermentation. Right. It'll happen almost all the time. But because lagers are fermented cold, your yeast activity, or it needs to be, um, it can be reabsorbed by the yeast. The yeast will eat it back up, but it needs to be at a warmer temperature. 
Um, so yeah. most ales won't really have that much of a problem with it unless it's coming specifically from that kind of yeast. Um, so in a lager, if you're brewing a lager, what you do what is called a dialable rest. Right? Mm. You're bottling or keeping, but if you really do have a... If you do have a bottle of lager or a can of lager that is tasted um, diastly, yeah, you can. You can warm it up for a couple of days, but it's got to be quite warm, you know, almost 18, 19 degrees oh, Celsius okay. um, for a couple of days. And the yeast should go and go and eat that um, and go back down. Now, to be fair, to be fair, for a lot of the commercial lagers that you're getting out there, they're not going to have a lot of yeast yeah. over in the cans or the bottles. So your your mileage may vary, but if you are a home brewer and you've done a lager and it's in a bottle um, and potentially you've been bottle conditioning it, give it a shot. Don't throw your whole batch away. Absolutely apply okay. that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So the important pro tip for home brewers may not work for, you know, the, the old, you know, six pack of rolls you had sitting around, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I'm curious too about, I, I feel like this is one we don't come across anymore, but he talks about ballpoint pen as a specific off flavor, um, which again, sounds kind of like a metallic one to me, but you know, possible cause. And again, this is not one I came across even back when I did my BJCP stuff a long time ago, but he says, you know, probably from old extract syrup, some brands are worse than others. So I wonder if this is just something that we've outgrown as kind of a hobby stroke industry but so. it's like a ballpoint pen which end are you tasting when you're tasting it's, is it the inky side or is it I like think it the must plastic be the, that's a good question it must be the inky side though because he also says you know corrective action none possible make it a spiced beer a drop of vanilla may smooth it out so you know it's strange to me because when you said ballpoint pen I immediately thought the ink side, and I thought maybe it's that um, kind of hot alcoholy kind of side because it's almost um, maybe a, mm, it's 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 quite a what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a volatile alcohol smell. Mm, it's almost yeah. like it because I guess a pen when you're writing with it, the ink dries, but actually it's something else that's evaporating, and it's I I don't even know how this stuff works, but my brain says it's the alcoholic or hot. Maybe that we know of today, and maybe that was also just a different name for it, or it was a subset of it. Yeah, such such an odd one, but you it know, there, there you go. Although I, I think this is funny too. I know we talked about this, we won't have to go deep into this one, but we talked about you know, he doesn't say barnyard, but he just say goatee, he just say sweat uh, socks. Yes. You see, um, I like that, I really like that. Well, and and you know, possible causes, you know, when you get a lactobacillus infection because once upon a time that was bad folks you did not want to have <laughs> your lactobacillus people did not want but it says corrective action hold your nose when you drink it probably will taste good in chili and i thought <laughs> would it though i mean why you know chili what? specifically and if you, know you cross why? the if you cross the border into argentina would it taste bad again Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, I, guess, oh, I guess he means chili the dish, not chili the country, right? <laughs> he does, he does, but I liked it. But yeah, but again, you know, his, his usual, you know, next time of sanitize everything, use a wort chiller. Like, okay, these are all things that these are basic make sense. Things. Yeah, but, but I thought that was fascinating. 
if you've got a bit of lactobacillus or a sourness to your beer when it wasn't meant to be there, okay, so either you could lean in, right, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and and let it let it go on and be a sour beer and just enjoy it for what it is, and um, or age it further with some bread yeah. or with something else to change it entirely. But actually, that idea of using it in cooking is not that bad because you know yeah. it's going to add some kind of um, sour flavor and acidic stuff complements rich things. Rich yeah, things. So, it, it could work. I feel like that's not that wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's just an interesting one. Right? I wouldn't have mm. thought of it. I, I've definitely though used homebrew that wasn't quite wrong but wasn't quite right if that makes sense in in either mm. baking or or in cooking um i want to say we once made a, a batch of like parkin or or some other kind of like traditional baked good that would normally have like molasses and other stuff and put that in instead what? of the water. what so, did you say lisa parkin parkin yes it's from yorkshire you make it for uh for bonfire night over there and it's lovely and uh very dark and dense and uh, never heard it? Of, it I've never heard of it yeah you make it with with it's with oatmeal and um like uh dark and like dark treacle and it can have ginger but it doesn't have to but I, I like it without but if you make it with beer like as part of the water or you know it just gives it a nice little extra like extra richness so I've definitely I, used like a brown ale that didn't quite work but wasn't bad just wasn't good it can be good for baking so and is it cake like or is it more flapjack like mm, yes uh I would say more cake like I would say more <laughs> okay. cake like but it's it it well it also depends if, if like me you're actually not good at making anything in a kitchen it can turn out more one or the other um but it's uh if you if it is good like I you know when I lived in the north of England I would you know just buy it around you know that time of year and it's a lovely Halloweeny bonfire nighty thing and just yummy but really good with a dark beer so but again that's again another thing you can do with a beer that didn't quite work out is you can you could put it yeah. in chili you could bake with it so there we go and I'm actually I found this flavor wheel and I think we spoke about the official flavor wheel before but this is um a, a, a really nice take I think on the flavor wheel and we're going to link it in the show notes and I'm going to it was uh drawn by Lucy Cook illustrations for camera so um and it basically is the flavor wheel that you might know but it's divided into good and bad (laughs) (laughs) I like it's very binary it's like it is very binary and then it kind of says for the bad part it says where is the bad flavor coming Mm. from so you have it subdivided into malt bad storage bad brewing and yeast and then the good flavors are malt hops yeast mixed fermentation I really I think it's really nice and what I like about it is that it's normal words like it doesn't Mm. say yeah it says butter it says cabbage oh yeah that's a tough one that's always Mm. upsetting when that happens yeah is it technically cabbage or is there another it's It's cabbage oh DMS it's called there we go So, so DMS is dimethyl sulfide and it is a off flavor that often occurs when you're using pilsner malts in beer doesn't mean it's always in pilsner beers but a lot of beers use pilsner malts and and what it can smell like is like cooked cabbage sometimes cooked um corn sometimes people will talk about um tomato paste as well you know like almost old tomato paste um everybody sort of has a slightly different 
way of doing it, but I find it's got a mixture between a sort of vegetal character and a bit of sulfur, which is why cabbage yeah. is often a often a useful one to to know for. And I mean, look, nowadays it's I think you do get it quite often, but you should also know which styles it's sort of appropriate in. So in a lot of lagers, it is appropriate as long as it's not over the top. Whereas if you're getting that, let's say in an IPA or in a stout, not appropriate. You know, these are not the flavors that are appropriate there. It would be appropriate uh, in small quantities in things like saisons, um, sometimes maybe even a sour because they'll have a lot of pilsner malts. But the thing to do is to boil it for a long time or as most people do, use pilsner malt that's been kind of modified in some way to not produce as much DMS. But yeah, cabbage. <laughs> there you go. I was, and, and it is beside ketchup. You were like, it's slightly, yep. slightly ketchup-y. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I also like that in the, in the good part with yeast, there's banana. But in the bad mm. part with yeast, there's old bananas. Oh. oh, so that's the dividing line. So yeah, so your hefeweizen is a is a fresh banana, but the, there's that bad bad banana, yeah. Mm. And and a lot of the fruity flavors, you know, they. I think sort of the the divide between whether they're deliberately there on purpose and with when, when they come from hops or some not really malt but hops and yeast will can give you these kind of fruity flavors they're called esters and um, they're undesirable when they're in either the wrong style um or when your fermentation temperature has been a bit whack so for instance um a lot of um hefeweizen or saison yeasts can change character based on the temperature that you've meant it um so sometimes you'd find a saison with quite a banana almost flavor which is not really the way it's meant to be it's not I mean, off flavor but it's kind of there but if you had a banana sort of off flavor in a lager again that that would be inappropriate if you have it in a vice that's appropriate it's okay now i don't know if i've ever tasted a beer that's got old banana flavor but theoretically i guess it's possible a lot of the fruits are just esters strawberry pear banana apple grape citrus they're all there but not always good <laughs> Yeah, no, here the banana, bubblegum, pineapple, they're all together here. Possible cause, you know, yeast contaminated with bacteria, fermentation temperature too high, but corrective action, none. Hawaiian night special is the uh, <laughs> is the takeaway. Uh. So again, Randy was living his living his best life back when he wrote this in the in the 90s. But I think again, like I feel like now that's you see so many beers that are tropical or you know, mm. and, you know, again, how, how often I guess again, we're all a little bit suspicious of some of them. Did they mean to do that, or now we just we've just branded it and have gone with it? Which I do yeah. think that's happened in in some places. So definitely. Now I remember um, back in the nineties, I, I used to get a soapy feel in my mouth. Yeah. What is yeah. that? What what is that off mm. flavor? What causes it? That, well, that, no, <laughs> that that can be a number of things, but most commonly, what I've seen is actually why I think that I didn't rinse my bottles correctly for this one there's a little bit of a film on top of this beer mm. and I think that that is the, the sanitizer or the cleanser you know the cleaner that I didn't you know quite treat correctly it can have a number of things that it does to your beer on the one hand it could prevent head like what mine did on the other hand it can infect the beer or make it smell medicinal 
And the third thing is that it can give you that like slick kind of soapy mouth feel because basically it is a soap. It just is. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah this, it's listed here as, you know, beer sat in primary too long, picking up flavors from dead yeast. So that's an hmm. there we interesting. Go. That's another one. But that that's could be a combination of things. So um, this one also sat in primary too long. So could be both. <laughs> Could be both, could be both. But mm -hmm. yeah, although I, actually when he does get down to just sourness, because again, sour back in the, in the 90s was bad, universally, just just bad. He does say repair unlikely, use it as a base for a fruit beer because that could just hide all, uh, <laughs> hide all faults. So that's just- Does he, does he think to double dry hop it? Doesn't say to <laughs> double dry hop it. Yeah, I'm afraid that was not, uh, not, not, not mentioned. Although again, like going back to the cardboardy too, he says, Drink it up as soon as you can. It will only get worse. Um, you know, a lot of these are drink it right now. Uh, and it's like, well, I, I don't know. I, I feel like nowadays we might be like, you know, it's okay to drain for some. It's You don't have to drink it all. You can, yeah. you can diagnose and move on. So uh, I know, but I do like his attitude. I do like yes. his attitude. Yes, yes, he, absolutely. He, like, he wants to, he wants to, to, to turn, turn a negative into a positive in some way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there is a lot to be said for that. You know, you don't want to waste things. If there's some other way you can put it to use, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's all good. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just fascinating. And, and again, just one of these for the, you know, beer nerds of today is, you know, haze is also here as just a very bad thing. No haziness in your beer, folks. Just, just terrible. Look, so. I think, I think I'm, I'm in agreement with that, with the, what was the name of the guy? Werner. Oh, it's it, it, it's a uh, Randy Mosher. Uh, Mosher. Oh. I'm never quite sure how you actually say his surname, but he's he's Randy. still around, kicking, doing all sorts of beer writing, uh, beer judging, all of that, all of that good stuff. Um, so yeah, it's uh, just just very interesting to see all these things that used to be very bad that are now fine. But now let's talk about some of those that I think. I don't know that there's a way to resurrect some of them yet, at least in terms of like selling it. So like one is here like cideriness, or I think of the vinegar kind of mm. flavor we talked about, you know, kind of the other day. I'm like, I I can't see the the broader market suddenly deciding those are cool, but you know, you never, you never know. But I feel like, you know, some of these are just bad and it's okay mm -hmm. to say, you know what, something went wrong, figure out what it was and, you know, move yeah. on. I mean, if you if you're getting something that's sour, you know, you I think the only distinction you should try and make if you're trying to diagnose your own beer is, you know, is it sour like acetic acid, as in like vinegar, or is it sour more like citric acid, which is more like a, you know, a grapefruit or an yeah. orange, you know, really citrusy, or is it more like a yogurt sourness or a kimchi sourness, which is lactic from lactobacillus. No. The only reason why I say to try and distinguish between those two is that if you've got acetic acid, your problem is probably that air got in. Because mm. that that um, bacteria grows with oxygen, whereas the other kinds grow anaerobically, so that's without oxygen. So you may just have slightly different problems if you've got them. But if you've got sourness in a beer that's not meant to be sour, yeah, that's an off flavor. Yeah, definitely, definitely. definitely. So mm. some of some of the these other descriptions was just unpleasant alcohol, which I suppose <laughs> would cover the Whoa. ballpoint pen. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and, and that one is kind of more technically called alcoholic or hot. Um, mm. And now look, not every beer, again, it's not going to be super relevant to every single beer, but sure. every beer has got a little bit of an alcohol flavor. Um, 
but and and especially the higher ABV beers. So if you're talking now barley wines and imperial stouts, you know they are going to feel and taste hotter and warmer to you as they go down, and that's because they've got a higher amount of alcohol. But um, what what sometimes does happen is that your your yeast is so strained when it's trying to ferment that it gives off these kind of hot alcohols mm. um, in stars that don't really demand it. You know, there's no reason that a five percent beer should ever taste hot or alcoholic, you know, besides the the very normal, usual, slightly alcoholic warmth and booziness going down. So, yeah, often that's got to do with like yeast health, checking your fermentation temperature, um, using fewer adjuncts and making sure that you've oxygenated your wort and, you know, all of the kind of other basics. But I think the thing to know is that it can be slightly more acceptable, the higher ABVs and down at the lower end, mm -mm, no good. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's always, you know, that's always a real mark of skill when you can get one of these really strong barley wines, like you get maybe for Christmas or something where it's like, you know, nine, 10, 11%, but it tastes like a beer that might be six or 7%. And it's, it's got that there, but you don't get that immediate kind of heat from it. But, mm. uh, but again, which is not to say that's always wrong, especially at those higher ABVs, it can be absolutely fine. But when that's not the first thing you get, you're like, oh, this is, this is special. This has been really well crafted. And it's just a, <laughs> You know, it's just always a nice, you know, sort of holiday treat still. And I know it's, I know it's, you know, still dry January for some people, but you know. Oh, I think dry January might've been last month. <laughs> By the time this comes out. Could be. Yeah. Could yeah. be. And, and yeah. we can say, I hope you all had a happy Burns night and, and yes. welcomed in the year of the rabbit. Here, here. Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. And I don't know the answer to to this question, but thinking about like, what are kind of off flavors for your non-alcoholic beers? Because I think they have such a different um, potentially like, you know, I don't know, sort of flavor profile. Because I think the ones I don't like, like the old ones tended to just taste very like wort, very sort of sweet. Yeah. And now they've, they've gotten a lot better that you know the really good ones don't have that but I wonder will that count or will that come to be seen as kind of an off flavor because I think these things do evolve but uh, I, I don't know that's very interesting yeah I think worthy on one end and then just watery and on yeah. the other like yeah definitely and yet again now there are some that are you know quite good that don't have that kind of flavor like your, your Guinness Zero and uh, the, some of those athletic brewing ones I've I found are quite good but it's still like it's still the the, the exception more than the real yeah. rule that they're really do taste more like a, a traditional mm. beer but I wonder like will that category evolve to have this broad range of sort of faults if, if you like so I don't know it's it is yeah. really interesting so like in uh 2030 they'll be looking back oh my god 2023 remember when we thought such and such was a was an off flavor yeah. wortiness now you can't yeah. get it. Exactly. Can't get enough of it. It is weird because um, that sort of wortiness, that flavor, that unfermented, you know, mm. sugars. And um, it has. I've seen that before in places where it's considered off flavors, but I haven't seen it for a long time in all of the official sort of BJCP lists. And um, yeah. I think I think because it's not as much an off flavor as it is just a bit of a fault. You know, mm. if you if you've got a beer that tastes that way, as if it's just a bit unfermented a bit too sweet for the style you'd get marked down but it's it's not going to be considered an off flavor as much as a, right you know a comment to say hey man brew it you know ferment for longer or or do something just to make it not so sweet but yeah 
than I. As for the non-alcoholics, I wonder if they'll have to be judged post-style, as in, you know, a non-alcoholic uh, stout, in air quotes, versus an IPA, versus a lager, because if they are judged by the same standards as the alcoholic counterparts, that would be really interesting too. Mm, definitely. Yeah. And that again, as, as that category is, has really been picking up steam, I think it'll be interesting to see where that where that goes. Will they eventually taste the same? Mm. I mean, who knows? That would be that would be pretty cool. So well, I mean, yeah, there's there's sounds like there's an awful lot of interesting yeasts from interesting places out there. Yeah. You know? So yeah, definitely it's a good subject for a future episode too. Some of these strange yeasts that are floating around out there. Yeah. yeah. So apart from the lacto and the <laughs> the sour ones, we won't go there again. Jesus, that was enough now. <laughs> no more trying uh, really for I've, you. I've had uh, oh look. I just think I think I went a bit too far. I was like, okay, look, I can handle this, but I couldn't. So for me, it's an off flavor, but it was meant to be there. So it's not really an off flavor. Yep. It's just something I don't like the mm. taste of. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which and, is that's, and that's different from an off flavor because. Yes. Yeah. Me just not liking something doesn't mean it's badly brewed or it's not to style. It just means my personal flavor. Mm. Exactly. Like, like Ralph Beard me, we are never going to get along. That smoke is meant to be there. I just. It's not for me and that's okay. Other people love it and that's that's all good. It's it's there for them. So something for everyone. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It is interesting though, because I think if we talk about how do you know it's an off flavor versus a, a beer you don't like yeah. versus, you know, any other kind of way that this might happen. Because I think that it's not just, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's an off flavor. Definitely. And I think it is, up, it's not, it shouldn't really be up to the consumer to have the kind of knowledge to be able to name these off flavors all the time. Definitely. And I think that you should be educated enough to maybe just have a Google search. If you can pinpoint the flavor, you say, oh, you know what? It tastes a bit like celery or cabbage. And then you know, oh, okay, maybe I've got vegetal or maybe I've got something. Maybe it's an off flavor, maybe it isn't. Not sure. But if you can pinpoint the flavor, you you at least can do a, a quick search and say, all right, is it possible or is it not? And if it's not really listed, then you figure that it's probably something that you don't like. But there are very interestingly, um, you know, some ingredients taste different to people. So different hops taste different to people. So famously, I don't like um, uh, cannot. It used to be called Equinox because to me it tastes like green pepper or green capsicum mm -hmm. to um, Aussies, anyone Aussies listening. Um, and I really can smell it and I can taste it. And I'm like, uh, Equinox, or you cannot hate it. <laughs> I'm not going near it. And some people find that specific hops just taste like uh, onion or, you, you know, all these kinds of weird flavors. So it, and it's not to say that it's not there because all hops, especially hops, have got a spider diagram of their flavors. And it's not to say that that onion isn't there. It's just that it's not really perceptible by a lot of other people. Yeah. And on it's balance, it works and it's other flavors so it's just yeah. like it's just like the celery cucumber it's like some small segment of the population can't eat a cucumber because it tastes horrible to them and then another small segment can't eat celery because it tastes horrible and i am in the celery bank camp <laughs> i hate celery i can't stand it how about you uh, can, can you taste cucumber and celery oh 
I'll say I'm not a big fan of either one, but I, I'm I may be strange. So I, I am strange. Not there's no maybe about it. So I don't know why I'm like. <laughs> That's why we love you, Lisa. Uh, there you go. There you go. But yeah, it's yeah. I'm not the biggest fan. I, although I I've been able to sort of come around to cucumber a bit in something, but I still don't want to eat it on its own or like sliced. But I now I don't mind it as a, a bit of a flavor in something like in a cocktail or something. But it, not if it's the main flavor. But, uh, I, but I just don't love the texture of them either. So I think to there, there's also, a, <laughs> there's a texture thing that I don't like for celery or cucumber because I'm still picky, even though I'm much better, but there you go. But yeah, and then there's, we could go down the whole cilantro, you know, rabbit hole. Yeah. But uh, Cilantro coriander, that's, that's a whole nother thing. I like all the things. <laughs> Although I must say celery, raw celery, I'm not crazy about, but cooked is perfectly fine happy with it mm, i love cucumber absolutely love it i do love a good cucumber i will say mm. yeah no, not, not not a big fan of either one but uh again i'm i'm strange and again in a cocktail i'll i'll, I'll deal with it you know i'll power through so but anyway <laughs> with that with that i think we'll mm. we'll leave it there for now but uh, i don't know anyone uh, have a sort of parting thought about sort of off flavors i think we've got a good sort of mantra of you know it might be an off flavor or it might be something that's just not to your taste and that's, they're both okay. But, but of course, if you're a home brewer or professional brewery, go, go identify those off flavors and don't, mm. don't do that. So. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think sometimes the biggest off flavor comes from what's written on the can rather than what's oh, in the can. That's yes. a good, that is a good, uh, a good thought. Yeah. So we'll, we'll try to. It just didn't make any sense. Sorry, we have to go back to it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, try, try. And again, I, English is not everyone's first language, of course. But run it, run it by someone. Yeah, you know, just yeah. yeah. An <laughs> extra pair of eyes in all circumstances is good. Let's we'll we'll leave it at that. So I will say <laughs> with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up off flavors. But uh, again, I would say you know I know it's been a couple of weeks now, but thanks to those of you who came out to see us at Rascals, you'll you'll probably run into us in you know various uh, places uh, all around Ireland as we're you know popping up at beery things here and there, whether in a group or solo. So uh, do come up and say hi. We'd love to have a chat. Always good. Thank you again for following us on all the socials at Beer Ladies Pod and go to our link tree. You can actually support us. You can buy us a pint. You could buy some merch and you'd look super cool in some nice beer ladies threads. Just, just saying. Um, but again, we really, really appreciate all you guys listening, liking, sharing, subscribing. So with that, we will look forward to seeing you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.